welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, also, if you text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can get the daily email, the podcast, the live stream, social media links for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Um, more importantly, I, I owe you an apology. I've saved it until now. We got through the end of last year, and we're now February 8th, and I haven't sent out recipes in a while, and I'm sorry. Uh, life got in the way. Uh, but I will be sending some out, particularly it's Super Bowl weekend. And so I will be sending out a flurry of uh, recipes shortly uh, that you can make this weekend for your Super Bowl party. If you're having a Super Bowl party or big game party or whatever you're supposed to say, a party for that football game that happens on Sunday. How about that? Uh, the last professional football game of the year. Um I, I need to send some out, and I'm making um, smoked steak sliders. I will send out that recipe. I will send out the, the – so I've got the – so you know the, the King's Hawaiian bread, the little, the little buns? I've been getting the 24-packs, and I slice them uh, open so you get a top and a bottom – and then I layer them with ham and cheese, and it's it's called bechamel sauce. Don't be put off by the French word. It's essentially a tablespoon of flour, a tablespoon of butter. You mix it together, and then you add a cup of milk, bring it to a boil, and it thickens. The, the flour thickens the milk. You add some honey mustard to it. You pour that over the ham and the cheese. You, you put the top of the bun on. You stick it in the oven for 15 minutes to get the cheese melted. Mwah, magnifique, but I, I did a variation of this now. I, I've been using Fontina cheese for all of this, but uh, Snake River Farms has really thinly sliced Wagyu New York strip. Yeah, Wagyu. You can also get this at your local grocery store, get your butcher to do it. Take a New York strip and just thinly slice it. You get about six pieces. And what I've been doing is I take my Rectech, I get it to get the Rectech on 225, and I smoke those slices 15 minutes on each side. They're pretty cooked through. But then I get the grill just rip-roaring hot and throw them on the grill for a quick char and sear. Uh, I mean, literally, we're talking minute, two minutes maybe. And then I let them cool down. Let them rest. And then I lay it across the King's Hawaiian, put the fontine on top. And I use I have a homemade barbecue sauce. You can use any barbecue sauce. But I have a homemade one. It's kind of citrusy, kind of sweet, kind of spicy. Cover it, and I bake that. Oh, my gosh. This has become, like, my favorite thing to make now. But I'm going to send some of these recipes out. Uh, I'll get it done today so you have time to grocery shop for the weekend for your football party. If you're having one, if you wanted, or if you just want to make something unique for your family and friends, I've got some. I will get back into the groove of things. I promise I'll start today. Uh, with some recipes so you can get ready for your weekend. Um, for those of you new to the program, we cook around here. We sometimes talk about cooking and planes, the two things that all the program directors of America tell you never talk about. We make sure to talk about it just because we like them, and they don't. <laughs> Gotta let them know who's in charge, people. Give them title, program director, radio station. Don't talk about these things. It turns off the audience. The research says, well... I 
and you are the research. <laughs> okay, we got to move on to important things now. Let's talk about the Chinese spy balloons. Um, there are actually a couple of stories now from the New York Times and the Washington Post. Let me go with the, the Washington Post one because the New York Times is trying to rain on their parade. Uh, here's the headline, Chinese balloon part of vast aerial surveillance program, U.S. says. So our intelligence community uh, says that the balloons have been used for a while, mostly over uh, other countries, Japan, India, Vietnam, Taiwan, the Philippines. They are surveillance airships. They are part of the PLA Air Force, People's Liberation Army Air Force. They've been spotted over five continents. They are old technology with modern communications and observations equipment. Uh, interestingly enough, the balloons themselves don't register on radar. They're kind of hard to spot. Now, depending on the size of the equipment underneath them, the equipment underneath them makes it easier to spot them. But they largely, for a while, went without detection because of the balloon systems and the radar. Uh, but as they have gotten bigger and bigger pieces of equipment under the balloons, it's easier and easier to detect them. Let's move away, if we can, from the blame game of who did or didn't. Did it happen to Trump? Did it not? Why did they not shoot it down? Let's just focus on the program for, for just a moment, if we can. There's a problem with satellites. You, you, you may not realize this, but satellites aren't really maneuverable. A satellite goes up and it goes into orbit and it has a limited amount of fuel and you can't refuel the satellite for, example, a uh, high compression air system to be able to push it into other directions. So when a satellite goes into orbit, its orbit is really predictable. And when a satellite is moving, you can't stop it. A satellite cannot hover over Montana. The satellite keeps moving. The satellites are predictable. So guess what? When the satellite is flying over Area 51, all of the things they don't want the satellite to see, they just trot away. They, 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 they cover up so the Chinese can't see these things. But also, while satellite photography is actually very good and precise, you can actually see things. For example, um, at the center of the Pentagon, there's a little cafe. And after the Cold War was over and we were looking inside the Soviet archives, Boris Yeltsin was yelling it, yeah, letting us do this. Uh, you, there was a picture of a mouse. This is how good surveillance satellites are. There was a picture of a mouse in the Soviet archives. And that mouse was outside the little cafeteria inside the center of the Pentagon. That's how detailed the satellite picture could be. The problem, of course, is that satellites can only only watch so much. Now, they can tilt cameras over time as they're going across the horizon, but the uh, optics, as you twist the camera, you're bending through the curve of, of the atmosphere, the light refracts in different ways, it becomes harder and harder. We know the Chinese balloon systems have fans that can slow them. They can't completely stop them, 
but is able to slow their speed to generate wind resistance opposite to the current of the airflow in order to be able to slow them down so that they can more precisely hover. And because they're not going through the atmosphere but are already in the atmosphere, uh, it's simpler optics because you're not dealing with light refraction for through the atmosphere. Um, now, I just got an email from, from a listener who says geosynchronous orbits are possible. Yes, geosynchronous orbits are possible, but a geosynchronous orbit is much further away from the planet. What a geosynchronous orbit actually does is it still orbits. It's very much like the moon. Uh, so the moon uh, rotates on its axis and also orbits around the Earth. And the rotation of the moon on its axis and its orbit around the Earth match. So we always see the side of the moon we see. Even though the moon is actually twisty, is spinning around, its spin and its rotation around the Earth, orbit around the Earth are the same, so we never see the opposite side of the moon. With a geosynchronous orbit, it's far enough away from the Earth that as the Earth is turning, the geosynchronous satellite is also moving with the Earth at that same speed. Those are really easy satellites, by the way, to detect because they have to be at a particularly distant, particular distance from the Earth. The typical observational satellites used for spy satellites have to be closer in for the optics. And because they're closer in for the optics, they tend to also move. There are some satellites that are geostationary uh, satellites that also at the same time uh, are used for spy platforms, but they tend to have a different sort of sensor system on them. These balloons, because they're in the atmosphere, you don't have to go through light refraction of the atmosphere. You can load up other data on them. You can also use LIDAR on them, underground radar systems on them. Um, but everything's got to be light. A balloon can only hold so much. It's one reason why they aren't super concerned about nuclear weapons and the like on these balloons. One, kind of a dumb way to launch a nuclear attack. Uh, you could say, oh, they're going to launch a surprise. No, we're going to see the missile come very, very slowly. The other thing we now know that the Air Force was doing is they had planes circling uh, this balloon that came over the United States for a good portion of the time it was there, if not the whole portion, but at key moments, there were jamming planes. And these jamming planes can shut down all electromagnetic signals coming from uh, these observation platforms underneath the balloon. So it is actually very likely they were not able to transmit a lot of data back to China because every time they came within a sensitive airspace, these planes were up there jamming the signals. So we do, to some degree, have to give them credit for that. But the key thing here is that China's ambitions and their spying ambitions are growing. Believe it or not, Vietnam wants to have a greater friendship with the United States of America because though Vietnam is a communist country, it fears the Chinese. The Chinese have been encroaching into Vietnamese territorial waters in Vietnamese land territory in northern Vietnam in order to extract uh, rare earth minerals in places where the Chinese think they might be able to find them. Likewise, they've been impacting Vietnamese fishing territory, uh, allowing the Chinese fishermen to go in and take all the fish out of these territories. So Vietnam is looking to have a partnership with the United States, and China has started using these balloons to spy on Vietnam. China is also using them over Central America and South America, and I am pretty convinced 
based on what I know of China's ambitions, that what they are doing is they are looking for uh, mineable areas. China has been buying up as many um, mines as possible, rare earth mineral mines in Central and South America, so they can corner the market on rare earth minerals. They bought a lot of land in Central and South America that turned out to be duds and have resold it. My personal suspicion is that in Central and South America, it's not spying so much as they're sailing these um, balloons over with LIDAR so that they can find areas that look intriguing to their geologists for possible purchase. Over our country and other countries like Japan and Taiwan, for example, they're using these platforms for surveillance, undoubtedly had LIDAR on this um, platform to be able to get subsurface scans where our missile silos are in Montana. We've got to have a more robust response. The Chinese increasingly view themselves as a world superpower. Underneath the surface, China has a lot of fundamental problems, economic problems, social problems, social engineering problems. There are a lot of problems in China. Historically in China, the way the Chinese government, going back to the emperors of China, deal with these societal instability problems is they lash out against foreign aggressors, stoking nationalist sentiment so that the anger of the nation goes towards these third-party nations. This is a pattern in China that goes back to the time of the emperor. We need to be prepared for these problems, and we need to take them seriously. China is no longer just an opposing trading partner. It is increasingly an enemy using the tactics of the enemy, and we should be willing to deal with them and negotiate with them, but we should treat them from an adversarial standpoint, and this administration doesn't seem to understand the need to be more aggressive in dealing with China. If we are not aggressive in dealing with China now, we may not be able to stop them for much longer. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I want to go back to something Sarah Sanders talked about in her response last night. Uh, this is what she said. I'm the first woman to lead my state, and he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race. 
but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Normal or crazy. She's not wrong. In the House of Delegates in Virginia, they were debating a new law. That law would prohibit educators in Virginia and public schools from hiding uh, gender identity problems from parents. There have been multiple reports out of Virginia and other states that uh, teachers are hiding gender transitions from parents. So a kid comes to school, decides he wants to be known as a she at school, and counselors help the boy get uh, access to doctors who could give them hormone suppressants and the like, and they hide it from the parents. The Virginia House of Delegates is considering a law that would prohibit public school teachers from hiding these things from parents. They have a documented chain of events in Northern Virginia where they even uncovered letters from school uh, officials instructing teachers not to inform parents of their children who are contemplating gender transitions. Every Democrat in the House of Delegates in Virginia just opposed this legislation. Every single one of them. That is crazy. Conservatives did not ask to become culture warriors on these points. It's like the stupid gas stove situation where they're running stories about Republicans bring gas stoves into the culture war. No, the hell we did not. We, we weren't even thinking about gas stoves until the Biden administration itself decided it wanted to possibly ban gas stoves. And then we spoke up and they're like, oh, the Republicans are the culture war. No, that's what Sarah Sanders is getting at. It is crazy. This is crazy stuff. No one who has a child should have to. The state forces you to send your child off every day to get educated by the state unless you can afford a private school. And no one should have to worry about the state hiding secrets from parents about their kids. But in Joe Biden's America, they do. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I want to go to some audio from Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Okay, so you've said your inflation rate target is 2%. Um, but why 2% and not 3%? 3% you know, could be tolerable, really. I mean, most, for most of organized history, 3% is considered okay. Why do you want 2%? So 2% is the global standard, and that is our objective, 2% as measured by the, the uh, PCE uh, index. And that's, just, that's not something we're looking at changing. That isn't going to change. It's, that's not going to change? Not going to change, no. But, okay, so you need to get the 2%, and your goal to get there is by what period of time? 
would you like to get there? Well, we say, we say that we're using our tools to get there over time. If you look at our forecasts, we expect 2023 to be a year of significant declines in inflation, and it's actually our job to make sure that that's the case. But I would tell you that, uh, you know, with inflation, headline, headline uh, PCE inflation is running about 5%. This is on a 12-month basis. Core is running at 44 My guess is it will take certainly into not just this year, but next year to get down close to 2%. Okay, so 2% is firm. That's, you're not going to yes. get off that. Yes. Okay. 2% is firm. One more clip from him. We, we believe that we anticipate, is what we said, that uh, ongoing rate increases will be appropriate. Uh, and the reason is we're trying to achieve a stance of policy that is sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to 2% over time. And we don't think we've achieved that yet. Now, Jerome Powell is largely saying, um, hang on for more. I was talking to a former member of the Federal Reserve the other day, and I asked him a question that really didn't sound like a smart question. I, I, it didn't, I, I didn't articulate it in a, in, a, in a very clever way, very smart way. Uh, but essentially, I was asking him, is is there a disconnect people don't realize between what the Federal Reserve does and what the stock market does? And my point was that uh, the Federal Reserve has said it wants to keep raising rates to get inflation down to 2%. You had this rip-roaring jobs number that came out from December that pretty much max employment in the United States, lowest unemployment since 1970 when Richard Nixon was president, and the stock market soared. And in my mind, I was thinking if the stock, if the jobs are still accelerating like this, the Fed wants to lower its rates and slow the economy, that suggests the economy is not slowing down, so they're going to raise rates. And instead, the stock market skyrocketed, thinking, oh, the Fed is done. And he laughed. And again, my question was, is there a disconnect between the stock market and the Fed? And, and he said, yes, the stock market, the equities market, the people on Wall Street are convinced beyond all reason that the Federal Reserve will save them, that when the market crashes, the Federal Reserve takes steps in order to save the market. And the reality is the Federal Reserve does not give one wit about the stock market. The Federal Reserve does not pay attention to the stock market. The Federal Reserve oftentimes does things that look like they're saving the stock market. And in fact, they're not saving the stock market. They have other issues within the economy they are trying to deal with. And those other issues, when they respond, help uh, invigorate the stock market on occasion. He said this is an example of the stock market being convinced the Federal Reserve is done doing something the Federal Reserve is explicitly saying they are not doing. Years ago, the Federal Reserve Open Markets Meeting would meet, they would raise interest rates, and they would say nothing. There was no press release. There was no press conference. There was nothing. It could take a week before people figured out what had happened. Nowadays, they hold a press conference and they say, we're raising rates to this amount. Can you imagine that back in the 1980s, they, they did not actually hold press conferences and say, we've raised the federal open markets rate to X percent. They did not do that. You had to guess. Banks figured it out when they went to borrow money and the rate was different. That's it. Nowadays, they, they announce 
that they've done X, and by the way, we're thinking of doing Y. We're not sure yet, but we're thinking. Jerome Powell is continuing to say, we're going to keep raising interest rates. For the stock market of the United States to say, I don't think they're going to raise any more interest rates. I mean, what does he have to do? Does he need to hire a plane and skywrite? We're raising rates. I'm looking at the markets right now. The Dow is down. NASDAQ is down. The S&P 500 is down. I think it's starting to dawn on them. Rates are going to keep going up. They have to keep raising rates because they want to get rid of inflation. The Federal Reserve has two big goals or two big uh, areas of interest. One is maximizing employment. And the other is minimizing inflation. And minimizing inflation is the chief priority of the Federal Reserve. And they will slow the economy down in order to make sure that that happens. And the fact that the markets haven't thought otherwise is kind of wild. Um, the markets right now are trending down. And Fed Governor Chris Waller is warning that federal interest rates could go higher than anyone has expected. They are still very keen on getting inflation down to 2%, you heard Jerome Powell say. And now this is becoming a flag to the markets that, oh, we might have misjudged the situation. The Fed might actually be doing what the Fed said it was going to do. One of the other reasons the markets are down is because of the State of the Union address. I know you're not supposed to say these things, but even at CNBC, they're talking about this today. Joe Biden has again come out in favor of an unrealized tax on gains, a billionaire's tax, the minimum tax. This is an absurd tax. I don't care how you, much you hate billionaires. You have to acknowledge this is an absurd tax. Let me explain this tax to you. If the stock market goes up tomorrow and Elon Musk suddenly goes up to be the richest person in the world with two, let's say $500 billion, Elon Musk would be taxed on the value of his stock that may tomorrow go down and suddenly he's worth $200 billion. Well, in one day he loses $300 billion. He goes from $500 billion to $200 billion. What do you tax exactly? He hasn't sold any stock. No stock has been sold. This is just the, the value if he were to sell it. And the Biden administration wants to tax that. It's called an unrealized gain. It's unrealized because on paper, Elon Musk is worth a ton of money, but he doesn't have access to that money unless he sells his stock. And the day he sells his stock, it may be a different price than the day that the paper came out that showed how much he was worth. It's probably unconstitutional as well. This is something the Biden administration dances around, but I have a hard time seeing that it is constitutional to tax someone on hypothetical dollars they don't actually have. Uh, Becky Quick and uh, what's his name at, at CNBC got into a shouting match with Jared Bernstein, the White House's economic advisor over this. 
Hey, Jerry, going after income taxes and making sure that people are paying appropriate income taxes is one thing. But this tax that was proposed on billionaires, and by the way, it's for anybody who has 100 million or more. Nobody wants to look like they're defending the very wealthiest of the wealthy. But what you're talking about is a very different tax going after gains uh, or unrealized gains on investments, on stocks and other things. I mean, that that is a that is a horse of a whole different color and it, it it would make a difference to people who are just average people who have yeah. money like that if eventually it's changed this is just a different taxation this is not an income let me tax. let me respond to that you gotta it's not one percent you know that and, and that sophistry you know it is because you know that the top one it's the top one one hundredth of the top one percent well, but let me respond that's not hold, what hold you on. said the top let me respond you guys are talking two different things what, what the, the wealth tax is after the top, the, you're talking the about the billionaire tax doesn't pay yeah. less than what you said it's not true. No. Top one Sorry, wait a second. Not. I think you're conflating things, a number guys. of issues. Yeah. So, so the uh, the billionaires tax um, only affects people above 100 million right. of AGI. And that's you just the, made that statement. That and the that's top the top. 1%. That's the top one one hundredth of the top one percent. But right. look, I want to start, Becky. I want to start where you started. Yeah. The idea of Funding the IRS so they can go after the wealthiest tax evaders just makes tremendous sense to us. Yeah, I, so you have no problem I, with I that. I don't have a problem with that. This, I don't have a problem I know with you have raising no, well, hold taxes. On, Becky. Hold on. Let me, let me make this point. I have a problem point. with unrealized you, gains. We'll get into taxed. that. We'll definitely get into no, that. Notice he doesn't want to defend it. He, doesn't, he, he wants to pivot to something else. Let me just read you this. This is, this is from uh, Robert Frank at CNBC explaining this according to the white house explainer on the tax which biden first proposed last year the billionaire minimum tax would require households with total net wealth over a hundred million dollars so not even billionaires a hundred million dollars to pay a minimum effective tax rate of 20 percent on an expanded measure of income that includes unrealized capital gains under the plan households would calculate their effective tax rate for the minimum tax if it fell below 20%, they would owe additional taxes to bring their effective rate to 20%. The big change is taxing unrealized capital gains as income. Currently, if a taxpayer owns a stock, bond, real estate, or other asset, they don't owe capital gains unless they sell it and get money for it. Biden's proposed taxing unrealized gains means a tax on the annual paper gain in value even if it's not sold. So if a tech founder owns $1 billion in stock and the stock increases in value to $1.5 billion during the year, the tech founder would owe a tax of $100 million on the $500 million paper gain, even if they did not sell a single share and got money. The White House says it would account for losses with credits and by spreading payments and credits out over time, taxpayers can spread the first payment, which is a tax on their total wealth over nine years. Payments for tax on annual gains after that can spread out over five years, which the White House says will smooth year to year variations in investment income. Yet taxing unrealized gains is incredibly complicated with today's wealthy, most of whom have fortunes tied to volatile tech stocks that swing wildly. This isn't going to pass. That we have to spend any time on it at all is ridiculous. It's a terribly bad idea. 
you are disincentivizing technology company founders from founding technology companies. You are punishing people for making money they did not actually make. And I, again, I don't see that it's constitutional because it is, is, it's on paper print valuation. It's not actually real. It's not real property. It's not real gains. It's not real money. It's just an up and down of the stock market. And you're going to punish somebody because their stock increased. You have no incentive then to increase the value of your stock for all the other shareholders of America who through mutual funds have funded their retirement. You're going to punish a great many people outside the billionaire and multimillionaire class. It's just absurd. You know what these people could do? You know what the Biden administration should do? They should call Advantage Gold because Advantage Gold can educate you and them on all the volatility of the stock market and, and retirement and like with the their gold IRA investment kit. It just You should learn about it. The Biden administration could get some of their questions answered on what is a real asset. Gold is a real asset a lot of people are turning to in these hyper-volatile times. And if you want to partner with somebody who can answer a lot of your questions and make you smarter about the issue without all the gimmicks, consider uh, going to Advantage Gold. You can call them at 800-450-2566. They're TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row now. They got the best prices, the best staff, the best IRA department in the country. They're ready to help with your retirement account if it comes to using precious metals. If you just have questions about using gold as part of your uh, investment planning, reach out to them. There aren't any gimmicks. They just want to educate you. 800-450-2566. Don't sit idly by while the stock market and inflation are wiping out your savings. Call them today. 800-450-2566. Tell Advantage I sent you to them. Again, they're trust company's number one highest rated gold company seven years in a row. They're there just to answer your questions about investing in gold. 800-450-2566. If you got any curiosity about doing it, reach out to Advantage Gold today. 800-450-2566. Well, it's kind of from the files of I told you so. I and others warned you this was going to happen. Uh, the Biden administration's IRS is going after waiters and waitresses, among others. They proposed a revenue procedure this week to crap down on TIPS. The Service Industry Tip Compliance Agreement Program would be a voluntary tip reporting system in which the IRS and service industry companies cooperate. Right. They're coming for you. We've known all along that those 87,000 IRS agents, they're not going after the millionaires and the billionaires. The reason they're not going after the millionaires and the billionaires is because the millionaires and the billionaires really don't have a massive incentive to hide all of their wealth. They may park it offshore where it can't be touched, but it is the workers of America who work in blue-collar jobs, who work in the gig economy, who may not be filing all of their disclosures. Those are the people who might be hiding a lot of money from the IRS. Those are the ones being targeted by the Biden administration. Those of you who voted for the Democrats need to understand you are the ones, unless you're wealthy, that they're coming after because you are actually more likely to hide income from the government than the super wealthy are. The super wealthy have no need. They can afford their tax liability. You, however, can't. And so you might not disclose it all. And that's going to be where they seek 
information. Uh, the waiters, the waitresses, the Uber drivers, the Instacart shoppers, y'all are who their target. We warned you. We warned you. And now they're making it pretty official with new rules coming after you if you make money off of tips. Lastly, I got to say something. Um, and, ah, well, there's no way to even, I don't even know who it was. I just, let me give you a rule of thumb for the show, please. If it's two hours, if it is two hours and I have not gotten to you on the phone, the odds are I'm not getting to you on the phone. This is now the, (laughs) well, I wasn't here yesterday, but Thursday, Friday, Monday, and today, four consecutive days that I've been on radio minus yesterday, someone at least one person has sat on hold the entire show. And let me tell you, typically what happens is someone calls and they're making a point that someone else, another caller already made and they just weren't there. Or my favorite is they get upset with me for saying something because they weren't listening close enough to realize it's not my opinion. I'm telling you what someone else thinks. This has happened quite a lot today when I was saying what other people think and people got mad thinking I thought it. No, I was explaining the way other people see something and they got mad thinking it was me and and, and somebody called, we we let them on, they explained their side, I clarified and you got other people who sit three hours on hold trying to yell at me for something we've already taken care of two and a half hours before. I'm sorry, duplicative calls calls that are kind of irrelevant to the topics. If it's two hours in this three-hour program and I haven't talked to you yet, you probably, probably, you're not going to get through. Don't mean to be a jerk about it, but use a little bit of sense here. I just, I feel bad for you wasting your cell phone minutes. Just letting you know. I'll talk to you tomorrow.